Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CFB Unfiltered. I'm Blaine Gilmer here with Donovan White and Josh Taylor as we bring you all things college football related. Go ahead and do yourself a favor. Follow us over there using at CFB Unfiltered on Twitter. We're trying to put more content out there as we go along, especially during this uh, bowl season here. We're going to be talking today about the New Year's Six previews, some of those games. We're not going to get into the CFP ones as much, more of the ones that aren't in the CFP uh, this week. And as we get closer to the CFP games, we'll do uh, a full breakdown on those the, the next week. Um, but we'll be talking Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Uh, we'll be talking about Baylor, Ole Miss, Ohio State, Donovan's beloved Ohio State Buckeyes versus uh, Utah over there. So, uh, guys, it's it's a crazy time. The transfer portal's on fire. We're going to be talking about a bunch of quarterback changes and running back changes. A lot of these skill positions going everywhere. Uh, coaching carousel is now kind of calmed down a little bit. So, Josh, uh, a lot to talk about here on this episode of CFB Unfiltered. Yeah, next year is going to be intense. Like, man, who who's their quarterback this season? I can't remember which one of the quarterback transfer actually went to the school. So there's a lot of big-name schools getting some other big-name quarterbacks. It's going to be really confusing next season. But also a uh, star running back coming to Tuscaloosa out of Georgia Tech. Can't wait to talk about him a little bit. Um, and then getting into some of these bowl games. And surprisingly enough, just doing some research on these games, there's actually a lot of big-name people not sitting out in the bowl games, which has been kind of surprising to me. Yeah, Matt Corral is uh, really, you know, on board with his teammates and, hey, listen, if I if it wasn't for my teammates and my coaches, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right now. So uh, he's electing to stay in there and play. But, uh, you know, Donovan, how, how motivated do you, before we get into some of these transfers, how motivated do you think the Buckeyes are going to be to take on uh, take on the Pac-12 uh, champs over there in Utah? I'm a little worried we'll get more into it the preview. Uh, allegedly, there's an influx of Utah fans waiting for the Buckeyes when they get there at the Rose Bowl, which never happens. There's Uh-oh. never a majority against the Buckeye fans. Um, I can tell you as a Buckeye fan, I'm not motivated. I don't care if it's the Rose Bowl. Uh, the season was a failure in my mind. And, you know, it's cool. It's a Rose Bowl New Year's Day. I'll have something to watch, something to bet on. That's about it. So I assume the players are probably thinking a little bit the same. Speaking of having something to bet on, this show is presented by Bet Online, guys, because, you know, Bet Online, it's the number one spot for basketball and football action. You got NBA going on, because even uh, Adam Silver saying, hey, now, you know, COVID's here to stay. We got to learn to play with it, all that kind of stuff. That can't be said for the NHL. They're doing their own thing over there. But uh, anything that you can bet on, you can do so by heading over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign today and receive. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. Like I said, basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the offers in this 2021 and 2022 season uh, right around the corner. So, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts and Josh speaking of starting things off we're going to start off talking about some of these quarterbacks before we get to our new year's six uh, previews the non-CFP games we're going to talk about some of these quarterbacks that have changed places and uh, maybe you know two 
no more too impactful than Bo Nix to Oregon and Keaton Slovis over to Pittsburgh. Yeah, starting off Bo Nix, I think you called it last week saying don't be surprised if he goes to Oregon. So congrats to you on calling that one. And we were kind of talking about it before we started recording. That's a pretty packed up quarterback room. So it's going to be interesting to see if it actually pays off. That's the one question in all of this transfer portal news. Like, Are you making the best decision for yourself? Is it going to pay off in the end? Are you going to just end up going somewhere that can hurt your draft stock like Bo Nix? Where he was pretty comfortable at Auburn. If he stays another year, his draft stock went up this year. Could it take a step back if he gets beaten out uh, by Anthony Brown next season um, coming back for Oregon or five-star quarterback Ty Thompson over there at Oregon? So it's really interesting to see if these guys are making the right choice for him. But I'm really interested to see how the Bo Nix to Oregon fit is. I mean, I'm sure you know all about Dan Lanning and can tell us his kind of style to see if it actually really fits for what Oregon wants to do. I mean, Dan Lennon is going to be aggressive. There's one thing I know about Dan Lennon. He will be aggressive. I mean, he likes to bring, if uh, really truthfully, um, if if Kirby Smart didn't kind of rein him in sometimes over there, he would have been bringing six, you know, every time over there on defense, I feel like. But uh, that's kind of his philosophy. But in terms of offense, um, obviously, I think he's going to want to be explosive as all coaches want to do. And I think – one reason he went and got out, uh, got Bo Nix, because he knows how much a quarterback who can extend plays with his legs and and truthfully, Bo Nix is one of the best at it. I don't care if it's pro or college football, his escapability is elite, right? I mean, I don't know about the decision making afterwards after he escapes sometimes, but it, being able to get himself out of trouble and uh, extend plays and give offenses a chance, I think Dan Lanning knows that. You know, that defensive, except if you're playing a, a Utah, right, you're not going to be playing elite defenses across the ball from you a lot of times. And, uh, you know, Bo Nix, if he does, you know, go there and win that job as they expect over to, uh, Ty Thompson, I think um, I think that could be a huge pickup for them. You know, he's just got to make sure to value the football. If he does that, I think Dan Lennon's going to have a home run there. But, um, you know, I mean, Donovan, they, they start we, the season with against Georgia next year, too. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of circling that one for Dan. And here's the thing, too. Georgia's going to lose nine to ten players off that defense this year. Yeah. So it's going to be an intriguing matchup to start off the year over there. But um, Donovan, I, I think that as impactful as Bo Nix is, Keaton Slovis over there to Pitt uh, with what you know Pitt has, has shown that they can produce offensively that system and now add another quarterback who I think is as talented as anybody in the country in Slovis. I think that's a big, big pickup for the Pitt Panthers. I think it's huge. And we were talking pre-show a little bit, just the hypothetical of, of JT uh, Daniels transferred. I, I mentioned that I thought Pitt would have been a great landing spot for him. I think Pitt would have been a great landing spot for a lot of transfer quarterbacks. But the Keaton Slovis transfer for them, uh, it almost keeps their program from taking a step back, right? Kenny Pickett, um, I think we can all agree, it might be the first quarterback taken off the board, um, certainly a top 10 pick, uh, maybe even top five. But it seems as though that the talent with Keaton Slovis is going to negate some of that loss right there. It's huge. Whether it was his talent was misused at USC or or he was playing with the Jitters, whatever it was, he needed a change of scenery, honestly. Um, and I think Pitt was one of the best landing spots you could have gone to. Just with their success, you saw with Kenny Pickett developing him. Uh, I think you're going to see the Slovis. And again, it's interesting in a weak ACC, right? Miami's. Got a new look with Mario Cristobal, right? Uh, Clemson, who knows what they're going to do. 
Clemson has lost. Yeah, let's talk about that with the portal real quick. Mm-hmm. They've lost, I think, nine players to the portal. So, and they've only yep. signed thirteen so far in the early signing period. They are consistently below the scholarship numbers, and they're if, in trouble. If they he does, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, athletic director, it's just Dabo mm-hmm. right now. So I'm not yeah, they're in trouble. If Dabo doesn't decide to you know, change his policy towards the transfer portal and bring in guys via the portal. I don't see how they're not going to be playing consistently with 65 guys on a roster. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to be under, uh, you know, under the numbers and that, you know, it's not like COVID's going anywhere. So who knows one game they could, they could end up next year. Uh, COVID, you know, makes a resurgence in the fall. Uh, they could end up playing a game with 50 something guys like an NFL team. Uh, you know, who, who knows what could happen. Well, and two points with that is no offense to the walk-ons in the team, but even the walk-ons going to Clemson or to Bama, they're great. They can go play in the MAC. They can go play at a lot of FCS schools. But unfortunately, you know, you they're still playing an ACC schedule. As weak as the ACC has been, you're still playing a Power 5 schedule. And at second point with that, Clemson is in dangerous water, in, in my opinion. You're – I don't. I think it would be pretty unprecedented to see a dynasty, which I think it's fair to say Clemson has been in the past five or six years ish in college football, maybe four or five. Um, go from where they were to dramatically just trend down as fast as they could be. I mean, after this year, I get they. You know, they were they have they have ten wins, nine wins. Uh, you know, nine ten wins. Go from even that. Take a step back to where they're kind of trending towards it would be dramatic in my opinion two years to see a dynasty fall like that yeah it, it, def- it definitely would be uh, josh i think the next tier of transfer quarterbacks would have to be two two lefties you know you got dylan gabriel and max johnson uh dylan gabriel going coast to coast from uh, central florida all the way out to ucla so he's going from one gimmicky coach and gus malzahn to another gimmicky coach over there and chip kelly and then uh, max johnson staying inside the sec west which is just mind-blowing that 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 used to never even be thought of josh and now you've got Max Johnson, who just beat Texas A&M with a throw at the end of this year, is now going to be joining up with the Aggies over there and trying to hold off an incoming freshman, Connor Wiegman. Um, it is a just dynamic uh, transfer portal situation. I think those two lefties uh, have an opportunity to make quite an impact. Uh, you know, Like I said, if Max Johnson can hold on the job, I think Dylan Gabriel's the more impactful of the two. Yeah, with Dylan Gabriel, I really like to fit. I want to see how he works with Chip Kelly and with that offense. Um, you know, post uh, Dorian Thompson with him going to the league for UCLA more than likely. Um, I, I just I want to see how it translates with Chip Kelly's offense. You know, he was a big name to be hired for Oregon to go back there. People saying like, oh, yeah, we need that kind of style back. We need Chip Kelly back for this offense. I think Oregon made the right move. So I think Chip Kelly kind of staying there in UCLA, kind of building that program up, kind of like Pitt. Like, I feel like the Pac 12 is wide open. Like, Oregon's going through some changes. We'll see if they can, you know, not skip a beat and just keep things rolling. Utah looks good. Hopefully they can keep that up for a little while. But outside of that, it's pretty wide open. Washington hasn't been the same. Arizona State's hit or miss. I mean, Stanford's been down for a long time. So I feel like this is a good opportunity for both Gabriel to improve his draft stock. This is going to be his last year. Um, and then same with Chip Kelly. But, hey, I can take a guy for one year, develop him to a good quarterback, and keep this UCLA program going. And they're going to put some guys in the draft this year, like no doubt about it. Um, and the same with Max Johnson following his brother over to Texas A&M, who just signed there, like you said. It's interesting fit. You have to think about the recruiting and Jimbo and everything going on with A&M. They just beat Alabama. It's, it's trendy to go there right now. They're the number one signing class this season. It's flashy. You want to go there. So I don't blame him at all. 
The thing is, will he get beat out? I don't think so. I think he'll be the starter next year. But like I said, all these questions you're asking is, are you going to the right place? Is this going to work out for you in the long run? So I like the, these two spots for them guys. I like Keaton Slovis a lot too. Um, he's going from Drake London to uh, Jordan Addison next season. Like you said, Donovan, at the perfect time for the ACC when it's just one big question mark. So there's not one of these really moves where I'm like, uh, I don't know. Same with Quinn Ewers to Texas. We kind of knew that was going to happen. We we knew he was going to go to Texas, and they're starting to get really good signing class. They're getting some transfers out of the portal as well. Um, so there's not really one of these guys I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe Bo Nix, just because I don't know how he's going to do in that West Coast style after playing this physical, slower Auburn team over the last few years. So I, I think Bo Nix is the one that could go south quickest. Um, but other than that, I really like all these transfers so far for these quarterbacks. Yeah, and you know, when it comes down to it, I think the biggest question mark is probably Jack Miller going to Florida. He never really yeah. was gonna have an opportunity there at Ohio State. I just don't know if that's a great fit for Florida. I guess Billy Napier saw something that that he really liked in there. Uh Donovan, you you would know more about uh Jack Miller than any of us, uh being Ohio State uh faithful there. Uh tell people kind of what what kind of fit you think that'll be at the University of Florida. It's interesting because, you know, coming out of high school, he was super talented. I mean, he was a four-star, borderline five-star quarterback. Um, as Ohio State fans, we kind of already knew. It was kind of an unsaid, uh, you know, rule that once we saw with Justin Fields last year, now it was kind of clear that C.J. Strouds was, was going to be the starter. It was an open competition, quote-unquote. But it was pretty clear after the season and after the spring game in, in 2019, 2020, um, that C.J. Stroud would be the starter, you know, after Fields was gone, barring a Quinn Ewers at the time, uh, massive upset, which obviously didn't happen. Um, you know, listen, Jack Miller is talented. Um, it, it's strange he doesn't fit the typical Ford offense. Um, his decision-making, obviously, with his most recent uh, OVI is not the best. Uh, but, you know, who know? Who knows? He's got the arm talent. Um, again, the, the the recruiting history is behind him. Um, I don't I don't know. Josh, you were saying beforehand, it's, it's strange with, with Anthony Richardson – him transferring in there with him already there. I don't know how that works out. If Jack Miller's planning to sit for a year, maybe planning to sit for a couple of years. I don't know how that works out. You got because he's at least got to think about that. And I don't know how that works out too much. Now you got the talent. I don't know how much he'll succeed for it. I don't want him to be another Tate Martell story. Transfer from Ohio State, and then next yeah, year you're on your bad. fifth school. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. I was gonna say he needs to he needed to pull like a Blake Barnett and go somewhere where he's like mm-hmm. guaranteed to start. Yep. Even though Blake Barnett didn't really like ball out at USF, he still, you know, put up some good numbers. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out for him in the long run. You know, he should have went somewhere else. But just going to Florida at this time, like you said, it didn't really make sense. It's kind of like rolling the dice and just betting on himself. The Richardson's still there. You know, I think Richardson will, you know, absolutely be the quarterback next season with Emory Jones going somewhere. Um, I don't think yes. Emory Jones hasn't decided where he's going yet, is he? That's what I'm saying. No. He's not technically entered the portal yet. He he's, just has announced. He's flirting he, with it. He's no. He's well, he's, he's he's told everybody he's going to enter the portal. He's just going to stick around for this bowl game to kind of for his teammates and stuff like that and play play this bowl game for Florida, especially because Anthony Richardson's out for that bowl game with a knee injury. So, um, you know, let him go to U, U, uh, UCF with old Gus Bus. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where, where the fit for Emory Jones would be. I mean, who knows? I mean, there, but a guy who has that that amount of uh, SEC experience, I mean, he's going to be somebody's going to pick him up. To be quite honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, you know, depending on uh, what happens, um, what happens with some of those Big 12 schools and maybe some of the schools entering the Big 12, 
uh, who knows? Uh, I don't know what Cincinnati's got in, in, in coming in behind Desmond Ritter, but a guy like uh, they, that can be that can be you know a dual threat guy like Emory Jones and going that's played big time college football going into the Big Twelve is that somebody that Cincinnati reaches out to later on? So who who knows what what happens there um, with Emory Jones going forward? But last but not least, uh, we've talked about nothing but quarterback transfers. But uh, Josh, I know you want to talk about Jameer Gibbs going to Alabama and uh, what kind of impact that's going to have for Nick Saban's offense next year. Yeah, he's got a lot of experience, and he still technically has two years of eligibility for Alabama. A lot of people in the draft are saying he would be running back one for 2023 just because of his dual-threat ability, kind of like a Najee Harris. He's going to catch the ball a ton. He could break tackles. He's quick. Um, but the thing that just really impresses me the most is he has that experience right now. I wish he could play in the bowl game coming up because we are lacking running backs. I think he's going to just flow right in and kill it. It's just funny how people made this rule. Like I said, uh, for Mo Smith going to Georgia and now Nick Saban's just using it against everybody getting, you know, Jameson Williams, Henry Totoa, and now Jameer Gibbs to Alabama. So I'm hype about it. I think he's going to be killer next year. Don't be surprised if he's in the Heisman talks. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. I just don't know. You know, I, I don't know uh, how much he's 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 going to have to, I think, be more involved in the uh, in the passing game Pass side of it. Right. Game. Because, I mean, I know Alabama wants to to run the football, but man, when you have the weapons that they do and the weapons they just signed in that passing class, I feel like. And then you got the Heisman Trophy winner returning at quarterback. I feel like they're going to keep that thing in the air a good bit uh, next yeah, year. So I could see him having, like I said, like a similar role to what Najee Harris did, though, you know, catching a lot yeah. of balls in the backfield, making big plays. But yeah, absolutely. He's got to be able to pick up some blitzes, uh, as we've seen uh, those a couple times this season. Once again, we could use some uh, blitz pickups. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now we're going to head into our New Year's Six previews. These are going to be the games that aren't uh, the the CFP games. We'll get into the Cincinnati, Alabama, and the Michigan, Georgia game next week. But we're going to talk here uh, about the other other four of the New Year's Six games, and then we'll we're going to start off with. The team, excuse me, the team that finished just outside the CFP with Notre Dame at number five being a two-point favorite against the Oklahoma State Cowboys who finished second in the Big 12 behind Baylor there on a heartbreaking goal line stand that, that went uh, just inches short away from them over there. But um, we're going to see, you know, how uh, Notre Dame – Plays under Marcus Freeman, a new new head coach, uh, former defensive coordinator, has been named the head coach, and he's one of the only ones, probably the only coach, because he, it was on staff that gets to coach immediately in the bowl game, uh, in the bowl game, Donovan, and I think that's going to be a big impact. I've already seen some behind the scenes stuff and uh, you know wired stuff that they've done put out there. That team is responding to Marcus Freeman, it seems. There's some serious juice behind Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. And again, this is no discredit to Brian Kelly. Um, I think he's a, he was a great coach in Notre Dame. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's, there's arguments what, how well do it LSU, but I think he was a great coach, coach in Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman brings, it seems like a different energy, different feel, a little electricity in the air uh, to Notre Dame right now. I'm curious to see how that translates over to this bowl game, being it so early. Um then again, he was with them for this entire season, right? He's he, the guys know him. Seems like though they love him. Uh, he's more defensive minded. Uh, I want to see if that juice translates over to Oklahoma, you know, against Oklahoma State, who on the flip side probably is feeling a little bit of you know a little bit 
disappointed, right? They they probably missed out on a college ball playoff opportunity. There's a, there's a shot, right? There's a debate between them and Cincinnati or them if other scenarios happen, but they lost it on that. Um, one of the biggest transfers, in my opinion, you know, quote unquote transfers was Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator, leaving for Ohio State. They're losing their leader on the defense, in all honesty, uh, defense that was top three in most metrics. They're losing him. I'm curious to see how the juice of Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame stacks up against kind of the, the, the sturdiness, the, the the steadiness of what Oklahoma State was this season, which we don't know if they're going to be that safe. They're going to be that rock that we've seen. Of, of all the teams in college football this year, Oklahoma State, especially on the defensive side, because their their run game and their and their defense has been consistent. I'm curious to see if that stays steady against the kind of resurgent Notre Dame program and the Notre Dame team. Yeah, I mean, don't worry. They have a leader and they have a coach on the field. His name is Malcolm oh, yeah. Rodriguez. So I, I think their defense is going to be fine. I like this matchup. And you talked about with Marcus Freeman, but the same with Mike Gundy. I feel like both of these teams are teams that are behind their coaches. They play with a lot of energy. I mean, if you watch that Oklahoma State and Oklahoma game, they're still fired up from that. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker losing to Baylor, but still you have to remember that game. You have to remember the energy they played with, the passion they played with. It was just a physical matchup for them. I mean, Caleb Williams on the bench just worn out with his head back thinking like, Lord, I hope I hope this game ends soon. Like, you, That's a victory for you if you're Oklahoma State. Like, you, you haven't beaten Oklahoma in the past, so I feel like they're really behind Mike Gundy. And the biggest thing for me is Jalen Warren. And I've been talking about guys not sitting out. He's been banged up. He was injured. He didn't get to play against Baylor. They said he's trending on playing this game because Notre Dame, you have some guys sitting out. You have uh, Kyron Williams who's going to the draft. He's only a sophomore, but he's a phenomenal running back, one of those big names. Um, And, of course, my guy Kyle Hamilton, he's not playing. So Notre Dame is having a couple guys out of this game. You need Michael Mayer at tight end to step up and have a monstrous game against that defense for them to be able to put uh, points on the board. Jack Cohen, he's not looking forward to going against this defense for Oklahoma State, I tell you that. But I, I think there's just a lot of juice on that Oklahoma State side with the players not sitting out, with riding that Oklahoma win and just wanting to end this season at a magical mark. Like I said, Malcolm Rodriguez, he's one of the more phenomenal guys to watch at linebacker. He is a true leader on that defense. I don't think they'll skip a beat. I think I, think I like Oklahoma State style-wise in this matchup just because if Warren plays especially, I think they'll be able to run the ball as long as Spencer Sanders does not turn the ball over. Don't be that Spencer Sanders. Be the Spencer Sanders that we like putting your nose down, being physical, picking up first downs, but do not turn the ball over that much and you can beat Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, you got Notre Dame with an opportunity right off the bat and Marcus Freeman's first game as a coach to try to change a narrative, right? That Notre Dame can't win these big games uh, can't win in in on the the huge stage, you know. When it when it comes down to it, they always get in the New Year's Six or even in the college football playoff and come up short. So they've got that opportunity. So I think there's ample motivation on both sides in this game. And uh, I I think even though I do like it, the fact that all the Oklahoma State players are are playing and I and he, with Kyle Hamilton being out, I just I just think that momentum is a big thing, right? And I think that that Marcus Freeman uh, and and what he's instilling, I mean, I just think there's so much more energy, right, in that in that program in terms of, okay, this is a new beginning, right? Whereas as Oklahoma State, it's more about okay, finishing strong and trying to trying to get back up after a disappointment in the Big Twelve in the Big Twelve championship game. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Irish to win this game. I think uh, I think they they take care of business against Oklahoma State. 
I just I don't like I mean Chris Tyree's the backup running back for Notre Dame. He only has 50 carries for 204 yards and one touchdown. They're gonna rely heavy on Jack Cohen. I just don't see him being big enough to score over 21 points against his Oklahoma State defense. So if I had to put points on it, I'm gonna say 24-17 Oklahoma State. Low scoring, but I think they win this one based off of that defense. And if, like I said, if Jalen Warren gets some legs going, he, he's going to run that rock. Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I got to apologize in advance to a coworker who will remain unnamed, who's a massive Oklahoma State fan. I think Notre Dame's going to win this game. It's just a feeling with it that I think nothing against Oklahoma State, but they lost in a heartbreaker um, in that game again for Big 12 championship. Looking in hindsight, it wasn't for a playoff spot considering, you know, Bama beating Georgia. But it could have been. It could have been. They didn't that's know that they, at they, the did, time. they did yeah. not know that at the time, but at the time it was a heartbreak. And it's still a heartbreak. You lost the conference championship. Um, I just think everything is riding with Notre Dame now. And again, I am not a fan of Notre Dame. I really am not. I don't think they're a top five team. Um, I think they could play like a top five team right now with Marcus Freeman and the energy that they're giving. Uh, giving off from him just from what we've seen the improved offensive line play the improved run game uh, that's been you know kind of uh, cranked up a little bit the last half of the season ish um, I'm going to go with them and I'm going to go Notre Dame I still think it's low scoring I'll, I'll go 24 Oklahoma State 16 yeah, and and my only thing is I would I would have thought that Oklahoma State I I picked them to win the the Big Twelve championship right I thought I thought mm-hmm. they were gonna uh, take care of Baylor in that game but you know as inept as you see uh, as as you see sometimes that Notre Dame's offense has looked this year it's it's a struggle it's a struggle mm-hmm. for Oklahoma State when they're not able to just continually run the football right and I don't think that Marcus Freeman much like Dave Aranda did, he was able to scheme it up. Marcus Freeman is a very, very good defensive mind in, in his own right. I don't think he's – I think he's going to scheme it up and not just allow him to run the football down their throat. So, we got a kind of two-to-one split there on uh, on that first, first New Year's Six uh, game. The next one, I mean, we can touch on it. We're not going to touch on this one a whole lot because Kenny Pickett's not playing in this game. Um, but you got the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which is on the 30th. Guys, I, I just think that with Kenny Pickett not playing, <laughs> everything's out the window yeah. for uh for Pittsburgh. I just don't I just don't know, you know, obviously I think that was the way to attack them with Michigan State having the worst pass defense in the country, like literally 130th, worse than anybody. Oh, yeah. Um it was it was really, really bad. Uh, Ohio State just absolutely embarrassed him. I think Kenny Pickett could have uh added to any kind of records he had yards. I mean he'd have, he'd have dropped uh dropped a, a nice nice chunk of yards but he's gonna get ready for the nfl draft and can't say that you blame him but um, same with kenneth walker there this is the I game where everybody kenneth sits walker. out <laughs> this yeah, is the backup ball there, there's a lot of people sitting out in this game yeah. um but i just think uh, overall um michigan state you know they got a lot to play for this they were the biggest uh kind of surprise of the season i mean they go we we had them as one of the worst teams in the yeah. big Bottom 10 three. preseason oh, yeah. and, and they end up 10 and two they're two and a half point favorite uh i think mel tucker you know coming back down to georgia where uh, he coached uh you know with kirby smart at georgia before uh leaving to colorado and then going to michigan state um i think he's going to be comfortable there in the in the, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and uh, we'll we'll uh, see how they how they do. But I'm going to take Michigan State to win this game. I say they probably do do so by by seven seven to ten points. I just I, I just like 
them to be able to manufacture uh, enough offense. Even though uh, Kenneth Walker's not going to be there, it's going to give them an opportunity to try to distribute the ball to some other guys and and uh, kind of get going for next year. Yeah, I'd rather replace a running back than a quarterback. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Michigan State, too. Uh, I think a lot of their guys will play. Like I said, the big one being Kenneth Walker. He's the one that's not going to uh, be playing. But for Pitt, this, like for Pat Narduzzi, you have Keith Slovis coming in. So I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking for Pitt, but I feel bad for him because it's like, hey, this is <laughs> this is your one shot to impress whoever you want to impress before Keaton Slovis comes in and takes over. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I got Michigan State winning this one by about 7, uh, seven to 10 as well. Yeah, Don. agreed. I, I think Michigan State. I still think their defense is pretty, pretty bad. Um, I think. Oh yeah. Pitt will give them a little, little bit of a scare. So I'll go like Michigan State, 34-27, 34-28. But I don't think it'll be much in doubt that Michigan State has it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if Jordan Addison's playing. He's coming back next year, so like I would, you would figure he's playing. But if I'm him, like I'm probably not wanting to play in this yeah. game at all. Well, yeah, and then Mark Whipple, the the Pittsburgh offensive coordinator, he's left and going to Nebraska already. So uh, they're going to be without Kenny Pickett and the offensive, you know, mastermind behind their their great yeah. uh, great deal there uh, this year. So um, definitely got to go with Michigan State in this one. Uh, they will um, they will be taking the Peach Bowl. We all have them uh, taking that over Pittsburgh here. Now, in the other. Um, New Year's Six matchups here. We have our next one is Baylor and Old Miss in the Sugar Bowl. And I think this may be my favorite oh, yeah. matchup of I the entire postseason because you have the Lane train rolling into New Orleans. And when you got Lane Kiffin in New Orleans combining, who knows what will happen anyways. Don't let anybody get arrested. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and then you also have the – I almost call him. He's almost like a sociopath because there's absolutely no remorse and no, uh, no, you know, emotion whatsoever from Dave Aranda. I mean, he is like they're they just won the Big Twelve and he's over he's there like, stone faced. He's like Tom Glavin on the mound for the Braves in, in the in the World Series back in the day. I mean, just no emotions. Uh, couldn't have two more diverse, uh, you know, more adversely opposed coaches in their demeanor and how they go about things. But you got the high-powered Lane Kiffin offense with Matt Corral, who's absolutely playing in this game, going against the Big 12 champions, the Baylor Bears, who uh, them and and Michigan State, like I said, are two of the best stories of, of the year in the, those turnarounds. So, guys, uh, what do you think about Matt Corral and Ole Miss taking on uh, Dave, Dave Aranda's defense over there? Yeah, for me, this is exactly what I'm watching for. I just tweeted out tonight, like, getting ready, watching, like, prepping these notes and stuff. I'm like – Matt Crowell versus a Baylor defense is exactly how we need to end the season for this guy. You know, this is, you know, he's not going to be at the senior bowl. This is his shot to shine in front of a really good defense that only allows 19.2 points per game. And so like, yeah, I'm that dude. It wasn't just a one year thing. I can keep this going. And that, like you said, Kenny Pickett's probably quarterback one. And I'd say uh, Crowell's number two and Pickett has that senior bowl to be able to, to flash and, you know, put on in front of scouts and stuff. But Mark, Matt Crowell's like, hold on. I'm going to get my shot before you go, and I can kind of, you know, put my two cents in there to be quarterback number one. I really like this matchup. Like I said, not many guys are sitting out. We're still waiting to hear about, like, Adrian Ely and uh, Dontario Drummond, who's also going to the Senior Bowl. So I'm waiting to see if some of these weapons sit out, if they're all like, yeah, Matt, you know, you're right. We're riding with you. We're all going to play in this bowl game together um, because that's that's his weapons right there. He's going to need a good running game. He can't just be, you know, slinging it 40 times this game against that Baylor defense who's got studs all over um, the field as well. I just, I really like this matchup and I really, 
Uh, hope that Abram Smith plays as well, because if he does, he's probably going to rush for about 200 yards and two touchdowns on that mm-hmm. Ole Miss rush defense, which is not good at all. So I think this is going to be back and forth. I think everyone's expecting a really low-scoring game. But I think they both go at it, and I think this could be like a 28-31 kind of matchup. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on our, who's going to be a quarterback for Baylor, right? Um, because, all the, you know, uh, Blake Shapin played really well, you oh, know, yeah, did some slinging. good things. But, uh, you know, Jerry Bohannon there, I mean, he was the kind of the guy before he was injured. Will he, will he come back and, and make it in time? Dave Aranda says he believes that Bohannon will be healthy enough to play in the bowl game. So that leaves you a decision to both play. Uh, who, who knows how they handle it? Uh, that, that would give – um, Lane Kiffin and, and uh, Ole Miss, I'm sure they're having to prepare for both guys. So Two completely different kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, two two different quarterbacks. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Jeff Lebby, you know, getting set to go over to Oklahoma and uh, become Brent Venable's offensive coordinator over there. Um, so I'm not sure. Has Lebby announced that he's going to stick with the team through the bowl game? I know Dan Lanning is with Georgia, even though he's taking the, the, Oklahoma, the uh, Oregon – head job uh, is jeff levy gonna stick I uh, through the game if not i don't know that that's as big of a deal because lane kiffin has had his basically his finger even though even though uh levy does call the plays i think lane kiffin has been all over that in terms of game planning and assisting him and calling the plays and things like that anyway so uh but still something to keep in mind you know because levy does have a good relationship and rapport with matt corral so if he's not there does that play an impact in it uh, a lot of things to look at, but both of these teams, Donovan, this game matters to them. Even though it's not mm-hmm. a college football uh, playoff game, you've got Ole Miss, who has never had a 10-win season before. They've just won uh, their uh, 10 games for the first time this year. They're wow. trying to win a, a Sugar Bowl for the first time in a long time. And then Baylor, who nobody expected to be here, is really trying to carry momentum into the next season. And we'll, you know, we'll see – uh, how Dave Arena and company are able to do it. Uh, what's uh, What do you think about Old Miss taking on Baylor, Donovan? I love how these two teams are kind of polar opposites, especially on offense, right? Baylor can run the ball super well, can't throw to save their lives, in my opinion. Old Miss, they're not really known for the rush game this year, but they have a top quarterback, which I know Josh and I will be watching very heavily because I oh, think yeah. we're both on the same page of we're kind of hoping if Matt Corral to be the future quarterback of the Washington football team. Um, I, I think him deciding to play um, and the way the emotion behind his, his speech of saying it um, was amazing. Um, honestly, you don't, as, as a foreign player, you see it a lot with guys opting in. I totally get it. Uh, Jake Butt from Michigan, I'm sure a lot of people remember that, comes to mind immediately. So I, I changed my tune on a, a little bit of players opting out, after, especially after that happened and 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 just seeing the, the outcomes. But to have a guy of that, uh, you know, clout come out basically that guy who can be a top 10 pick yeah, uh, and probably the second quarterback come out and say, you know, hell no. Like I'm playing with these guys. They, you know, they deserve it. I deserve it. We all deserve to go out uh, playing together. It's the lead of your team rallying the troops for war. Uh, and I think this game, I think this game might be the best New Year's six bowl. Uh, like you mentioned, but it's one of the ones I'm most excited for other than the Buckeye game, um, just out of natural fandom. Um, I think o- uh, Ole Miss does take the win here. Um, Josh, I know you said it was low scoring. I'm going to go Ole Miss 31, Baylor 27. I think it'll be a little close, but I think Matt Corral is the one in the end with his arms and legs uh, that gets it done. 
Yeah, I think if you give if you give uh, as as great of a mastermind as Dave Aranda is on defense, I think if you give Lane Kiffin that long to scheme mm-hmm. you up and to to He's put in Lord knows what kind of crazy trick plays and and who knows what he'll end up putting in. Uh, I think Matt Corral, you know, he won. I think Ole Miss won this game when he went to the podium and said that he was coming back and how and how you said he did with the emotion and talking about his teammates. I think that's a rallying cry for mm-hmm. Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss wins this game in a close one, like you said. I like that similar score, you know, uh, low th- low 30s uh, to, to win the game. I think first team that kind of gets past uh, 30 points could end up being the winner. So I like uh, Ole Miss to, to win this game. Uh, Josh, what do you think? It's tough. I, I I really want to go with Ole Miss, and that's who I think if I had to put money on, I would bet them. But this barely defense has 32 sacks, 40 pass deflections, and 16 interceptions this season, led by a guy who was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Pitry, who was an All-American, had 70 tackles, two and a half sacks, seven pass deflections, two interceptions, and two forced fumbles. He's like that hybrid guy. He plays safety. He plays like a Buffalo kind of role, the linebacker. He can play nickel corner. He can do a lot of things, and his range is insane. This guy is going to be a lot of fun to watch in Mobile, the Senior Bowl as well. He can really take that next step into the, the NFL and just show off his range and speed. But it's it's Matt Crow. He does have Snoop Connor. He does have Jerry and Ely that's going to help balance. Um, I, I think Ole Miss wins this one. I agree with y'all. I think it's going to be like the 31-28 kind of range. The over-under is 55, and I think it's, I feel like it's really low. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it could be low, but you know, it depends on whose style of game it, it goes into. If if Baylor's able to sustain some drives and keep that Ole Miss, you know, three two six defense on the field that they that they employ, it could be it could be a little bit different. I feel so, like with Ole Miss, they just spread it out so much, though. It you can't play like hard nose, like you know, we're gonna stop the run because then you're gonna get killed deep. So I I think Baylor's really got to kind of not watch out on the defense, but they have to be cautious. Like you said, you know, Lane Givens got so many trick plays up his sleeve that he's ready to just throw out at the end of the season. We had a comment here from Scout Hughes asking, uh, I know we're talking about New Year's Six right now, but he's asking, is it true that Rutgers is taking Texas A&M in place in the Gator Bowl? And, uh, you know, on that we have, and I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here for those watching on the 365 uh, Sports YouTube uh, channel. You have Nicole oh, Arbeck geez. of The Ooh. Athletic, who oh, is – is reporting that Rutgers is set to receive and accept a bid to play Wake Forest in the uh, in the Gator Bowl down in uh, in Jacksonville. So hmm. um, we will Jeez. see uh, we'll see what 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 happens there if that that report ends up being confirmed. But you have a five and seven Rutgers squad who is going to uh, I, going to be going bowling this off season. I, I, I saw Marshall. And I was like, this is terrible. And Rutgers is even worse. You know, I, I saw a lot of my Coastal Carolina guys were like, hey, you know, we finished the season strong. We'll do it. Like, we're game to take them on again. You know, a, a better record team who, you know, is probably going to finish ranked more than likely. I think right outside the top 25, if anything. But, wow, that, that Rutgers but, team versus Wake Forest. So Wake Forest, you better win by 20-plus. They're going to. They're going to. It's gonna. It's a shame to see a Big Ten team uh, get slaughtered in the bowl season, which is exactly what's going to happen to <laughs> five and seven Rutgers. the Big Ten uh, bowl record after this. I, every <laughs> single year. Killer. I mean, you can't blame Rutgers, though, because this is going like, to be what, a, $5 million? It's going to be a nice oh, payday yeah. for them. Oh, yeah. Big payday. The Gator Bowl is no small bowl. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a New Year's Day bowl, I believe. So uh, they're they're going to be playing in a in And a they get out of the snow. Yeah, they, they get to go down to, <laughs> to Florida and uh, – and uh, 
uh, you know, we'll see what see wow. what ends up. I did not see them being the pick, honestly. Well, I, by I the way, Marshall, and I'll give you a little insight on this. When when you're five and seven like that, or even six and six, because we I've, I've been in the spot before where you weren't selected for a bowl game, but it was maybe kind of, especially last year. I was I thought my football career was done. Right, we only had three games, and then there was a rumor of we're going to play in a bowl game. I was home. Right, those Rutgers players, I guarantee you, were sitting at home with their families maybe still on campus, right? They're like, all right, season's done. And we're definitely not playing a bowl game. And now they're playing. They are going to have to get ready in like, what is it? Like eight, nine days, eight, nine, 10 days. It is going to be a slaughter fest by Wake Forest because they're just sitting around doing nothing. They're wait- they did not think this was going to happen. I've been in the same spot before. And you get the news and you're like, oh, okay. That- that's awesome. We're playing a bowl game. Cool. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it- it'll be interesting for sure. Um, and last... New Year's Six game that is not a CFP game before we talk about some of the new CFP COVID rules and things like that that have been came down today is Ohio State uh, six and a half point favorites over the big the Pac-12 champion uh, Utah Utes over there. Um, you know, you got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave who are unlikely to play in this game, probably going to opt out. Um, but you do have CJ Stroud who is a Heisman has been finalist and uh you know you, you know a explosive Ohio State offense despite those two uh you know opt outs with Travion Henderson being there but man it is a it is a stout defensive front that Utah brings to the table even with Ohio State how they like to to run the football with Henderson so uh Donovan this is going to be an intriguing matchup for your Buckeyes it is i want to see what the motivation is i mean uh, personally, I'm more motivated for the Miami Redhawks tomorrow. Uh, go Redhawks! Shout out to them. Uh, minus two and a half is free money against North Texas. <laughs> who the hell is North? He's Texas? lost me a lot of money with those free money. Uh, who, who the hell is North Texas anyway? Minus two and a half free money. Anyway, um, listen, it, it's it's tough. Uh, again, we talked earlier. I think Utah fans have apparently bought out the stadium for this game, uh, and Ohio State is no shortage of offensive firepower. Even if Olave and Wilson do opt out, you still have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, you have Jeremy Rutger, who I think is one of the better tight ends in the country. Um, you have Julian Fleming, right? You have Mika uh, Mbuka, right? You've got a stud young wide receiver group behind him. It's just a matter of they're going to be ready. And you, the difference is that Utah wants to win this game. And I'm sure Ohio State does too. Ryan Day's going to have Gosh, ready. I think you're familiar with a, a team missing out on the on the playoff and facing a, a, a Utah team in a in a New Year's Six environment. Yeah, Urban Meyer needs a job. You never know. He might <laughs> he might come back with Alex Smith. Utah just smoked Alabama uh, that year when they did that were left awful. out of the uh, B- it was the BCS back then. They were left yeah. out of the BCS championship game and was it the uh, Sugar Nick, Bowl? Or? Yeah, it was yeah. the Sugar Bowl, and boy, Utah put it on them. So, um, you know. I think that Utah is one of the most physical teams in the country. I, I really do. I think that the way that they line up, some of the the big, you know, they take advantage of recruiting the island of Samoa over there. You know, the, those guys that are that are uh, are big, just road graders up front, run stoppers in, uh, up front on defense. I think Travion Henderson and company, especially, you know, if some of those vaunted. Uh, Ohio State receivers elect not to play in this game. It'll allow uh, Utah to be a little bit more snug in their in their coverage. Add some more guys to the to the box. Uh, really try to muddy things up for C.J. Stroud and and if they can contain Travion Henderson early on, I think it would bode well for for Utah. Like you said, Donovan, it's not that 
Ohio State won't be the more talented team uh, when they when they arrive there. It's just, you know, how motivated is Ryan Day going to be? And then uh, I'm sure there's already whispers out there with, uh, you know, the the Bears having been eliminated from from playoff contention. You know, is is Nagy going to be fired by Chicago? Would Ryan Day get the call with Justin Fields uh, being there at quarterback to try to uh, help him develop in the NFL? I mean, there could even be those distractions heading into the game. Matt Nagy is a thousand percent getting fired from the Bears, and Ryan Day is a thousand percent not leaving Ohio State. Uh, it's too volatile in the NFL. You know, uh, you never you know. Never know. The NFL and, is and, violent. <laughs> and, and in my opinion, Ohio State's a top three coaching job in college football. I don't know why you'd leave it for a NF any NFL team outside of probably the Patriots, uh, where you could be out of there in less than three years. My opinion. I will say Henderson is absolutely the most important piece for Ohio mm-hmm. State in this game because if he can't get the the run game going, Stroud's going to be forced to do those throws like he did against Oregon. And uh, Nephi Sewell, he's declared for the draft, but he said, I'm playing in this game. And I think my favorite linebacker in all of college football, Devin Lloyd, is going to be playing in this game. And if he is, C.J. Stroud has to watch out because he's going to – if he is missing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, which he should be, if you're if you're either of those guys, please don't play. They should. They should. They, should. they need to get out. Yeah. But, like you said, he's he has his reliable tight end. He's going to win. You know, he does have uh, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba, who's going to be deep. But this is a very physical – Utah team. I know you played Michigan. It didn't work out for you. A very physical defense there too. So I think style matchup wise and the players that will be out, this fits really good for Utah. And they have Tavion uh, Thomas at running back, who I think will be able to run the ball very well against Ohio State. So don't be surprised if this is one of those upset games. Um, but Devin Lloyd, I cannot wait to see him against Ohio State's offense. Donovan. Yeah, I, I think in the end, there's a lot of things riding for Utah, right? They have probably the more physical team. They have the momentum. They have the motivation. Um, the unfortunate news for Utah is they're not filled with five-star recruits. Uh, and that Ohio State in the past half decade or so um, does not lose non-playoff games. Uh, they played Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl in 2015, the year after they won the national championship. They destroyed them. Uh, they played USC with Dwayne Haskins uh, in 2018 in the Rose Bowl. Uh Rose Bowl, I believe. I mean, don't quote me on that. Maybe it was a Fiesta or a Peach Bowl. Um, and they destroyed them. Uh, Ohio State, as of recent, has not lost these types of games. Um, and I think talent will win in this. I still think they're going to be motivated. Give me Ohio State. I think the line was six and a half. I'll take Ohio State. I'll go 40. No, I'll go 38. And I'll go Utah 24. Ooh, if they hang if they hang thirty eight on Utah, that's that's going to be impressive because I think that Utah defense is, is pretty sporty. Uh, agree, I, I, I agree. I like how they they do things. I I think Ohio, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win, but I'm going to pick Utah to cover, and I think it's going to be sure. a lower lower scoring football game. I'm going to say Ohio State wins twenty seven twenty one over Utah. I was going to say twenty seven twenty three. Ohio State, uh, just because they still have that big home run playability. Stroud's still playing quarterback, and like you said, Smith and Jigba show that he is very capable of being a wide receiver one next year. Um, but I just, I really like the style matchup. I think this is going to be another one of those fun ones to watch, kind of like Ole Miss and Baylor. But I think Ohio State wins, but I don't think they cover six and a half points, and I think it's yeah. under sixty-five and a half too. That's a lot of points. And then, uh, you know, last but not least, uh, guys, we've got the the CFP 
games with Alabama and Cincinnati and Georgia and Michigan. We're not going to get into full previews of those right here, but some significant news that came down. You know, the the they're they're getting more strict with the uh, the COVID COVID deal. They're, all the uh, press availabilities are going to be virtual over Zoom beforehand. Uh, teams don't have to report to the sites till two days before now, so they changed uh, changed that the travel travel deal also um you know non-essential like family members and, and things like that are gonna be kept off the field and then the biggest deal is the cfp comes out and uh lord hope this is all just uh uh you know a mute point that doesn't have to be discussed but if one team cannot play they forfeit and the other team goes to the national championship if up to three teams uh, cannot play the team that's left. They just get named the national champions, kind of like you know, twenty seventeen UCF style. You know, it's going to be um, just named the national champion. So I, I don't see how a group of adults went into the uh, went into a room and came out with that resolution. Uh, you know, uh, I saw Josh Pate who does uh, the the late kick show said if when I'm named college football. Uh, commissioner, we will extend the season till Easter if we have to, <laughs> to name a, to name a winner. So uh, you know he he's been campaigning to be the college football commissioner for a long time, but uh, which I think there does need to be one, by the way. But I'm just saying, man, uh, it would be it would be something. Scott uh, Scout Hughes on here saying, imagine if Cincinnati wins the Natty and doesn't have to play a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Alabama, Michigan, and Georgia all get hit with COVID. Yeah, Joe Burrow was just saying today there's nothing to do in Cincinnati, so that's why no one on their team has it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, go go get you some Skyline Chili and go back to the dorm, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, but other other than that, um, I agree with you. I just, I just don't think – I think that you're going to see, even with the what's been put out today, I think you're going to see a lot of leniency in the in the testing and, and things just like, like that. Just like the NFL here. just did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think because uh, there's at the end of the day, there's too much money on the line with with some of these uh, games and things like that. The rights they've sold the TV, the advertising, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's too much money to be lost, and uh, you know, money money is what makes this thing go around. We know we've seen that with uh, these coaching uh, changes and all this kind of stuff. Uh, NIL, um, it's all about the money now in college football. So um, we shall see uh, how it all turns out, but. Anything uh, anything else to add, guys, before we get out of here? I know we're going to be back next week uh, after Christmas uh, to, uh, to you know, talk about the college football playoffs. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, well, yeah, go ahead. My final thought is, is Blaine, again, you know how, how dirty I feel rooting for Georgia um, of all these four teams, but it's the best of, of uh, bad options. Uh, listen, I, in my bedtime prayer, I pray that Georgia does not have more COVID cases because – I cannot imagine a bigger mental catastrophe for me than to have Georgia have to somehow forfeit this game in Michigan to get a bid to the national championship. Blaine, I'm telling you, you cannot uh, let – as a Georgia fan, you cannot let that happen. I don't I'm, think I'm you'll have to worry you. about Georgia forfeiting. I think magically you may see more guys vaccinated <laughs> than were vaccinated yesterday. Who knows? I mean, it, it, it'll just – who knows what's going to happen. But uh, I don't think you have to worry about that forfeit well, coming into play. I was going to ask you, does, does JT Daniels, in fact, because that's like the rumor going around on Twitter, like JT Daniels has COVID. Like, is that like a fact? Uh, I, we we have reported at UGSports.com that he, in fact, did test positive. Um, George Pickens had – that report came out that he had test positive, but um, – the deal on his is he's going on 
Instagram apparently and refuting it, saying it was a false positive. Who knows? Uh, but I will say this: the guys who test positive, they only they only get tested for one of two reasons. Um, if you're vaccinated, you don't get tested unless you have symptoms. And if you're unvaccinated, you get tested regularly. So either George Pickens is unvaccinated and which is quite frankly, nobody's business one way or the other, but he's either unvaccinated or he was vaccinated and had symptoms. And that's why he got tested to begin with. But um, I believe Georgia, 93% of the team is, is vaccinated. Uh, so, you know, it shouldn't be a widespread problem uh, there for Georgia. I think it's just, you know, just happens to be two high profile guys, but really truthfully, the biggest, thing of it is george pickens because i don't think jt daniels is going to play anyways it's just a matter of that he, he was there in the quarterback room yeah he was there as a yeah does it spread the quarterback room and he was there as an experienced backup if something were to happen you know jay uh stetson Benning gets hurt something like that now now you've got possibly either carson beck or brock vandergriff one play away from getting in the orange bowl you know if, if that if, if he's unable to play so interesting there but well, uh, bill o'brien and, and uh doug marone have it for alabama so i it's still like if someone does have it right now, it's still plenty of time before any of this really shapes up. But I agree with what you said with the uh, the new uh, policy, like they like to call it. I don't see them ever canceling a game. I think they would absolutely push it back three, four days if they have to before they ever cancel a playoff game. Yeah, and I think the, the they'll make it easier, just like the NFL did, to uh, test back into the games and, and things like that. As, as you know, as Take a little swab on the sideline, like oh yeah, he's fine. As this gets closer, so uh, there'll be some rapid, rapid tests taking place. But uh, just a runny nose. That's it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But um, for the guys, uh, for Donovan White and Josh Taylor, I am Blaine Gilmer. This has been CFB Unfiltered, presented by Bet Online on the 365 Sports YouTube channel, and then also the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, follow us on all your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find us using at CFB Unfiltered. Um, at CFB Unfiltered on Twitter, and we will catch you guys next time uh, for our preview of the college football playoff, Alabama-Cincinnati, Georgia-Michigan. It's going to be wild. We'll, We'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.